Welcome to the Menopause Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Willis, author of Cookie Dough in the Dark and Vibrant Living with Tanya. Menopause is like going through puberty again. Your body is changing, your hormones are shifting, but instead of being a lost teenager, it's the perfect opportunity to reinvent your life and take stock of your emotional, mental, and physical well-being. Gain wisdom, be empowered, and learn the strategic skills and the inner work that can be done simply so that the last half to third of your life is vibrant and amazing. Subscribe and share this podcast with your gal pals, and thank you for joining me. Hello, everybody. I wanted to pop in here today because I'm struggling with something, and maybe you're struggling with something too. And I want to pop in and share how our brain helps us through this struggle. So as many of you know, I have um, I have too much sugar in my diet. And most of us do. And quite honestly, it's shocking. And I'm a very healthy person. I am vibrant. I am energetic. I've done steps to take the added sugar out of my diet. I am having this conflict right now that I don't want it all gone because I still enjoy um, some sugary treats. So I have gotten rid of a lot of things that don't mean that much to me anymore. Like I could do a whole podcast on that, but I'm really getting choosy and I get pickier and pickier because one of my huge whys right now is my brain health. I am seeing, maybe it's because I'm in my 50s and I'm getting, you know, creeping up the, the years, but I'm seeing more mental issues, more people getting Alzheimer's, and it's freaking scary. Uh, so this is a big why for me, but you can care about something so badly. Like I know that I would be better off if I didn't eat any sugar. I know that, right? And I want to succeed so badly I can taste it to give my brain and my body and my everything about me, you know, the best health that I can. But I'm not quite sure, or sorry, I'm not quite there yet. But if I look back on my journey, I am so happy with all the things that I have done that have gotten me to this point. And so part of that is letting go of the perfection and just buying into the journey, buying into the progress, right? And so it's easy to think that you don't want it bad enough or that you aren't good enough when we don't have that perfection, but neither is true. And I want something really badly right now, and maybe you do too, but I'm not following through 100%. And maybe I don't need to follow through 100%. Maybe 98% is good enough or even 90%. But um, I'm I'm working in that direction. But I have to remind myself that my self-worth is not tied to how perfect I do things. My self-worth is tied to how I talk about myself internally. And this is why I let go of that all or nothing thinking. This is why I buy into the mindset of progression and journey as opposed to perfection and all or nothing. And I've done so many episodes talking with people, with wonderful women 
about how important positive self-talk is, how we have to really love on ourselves to really observe how we're talking to ourselves. And I have to realize that there's nothing wrong with me when I mess up. If I overeat sugar, if I overeat, if I have too many glasses of wine, or if I think I should be doing something differently, but I'm not. Okay, I know that I am trending in the right direction. I can't just wish for things to happen. And I think this unfortunately happens to people sometimes. They just wish to be healthier. I'll just stick to health. And yet they don't make any changes. And this is what I'm gonna talk about today. This is going to help you take just another step forward and has really helped me over the years. All right, so we wanna work on our positive self-talk. We want to remember that there's, when we mess up, if that's, you know, however you want to define messing up, overeat, over drinking, uh, not moving your body, um, that you're you're not broken, okay? And your brain is just like my brain, okay? We have the same brain and we're going to talk about the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala and how they're driving us to make decisions. And I have to remind myself that my brain doesn't want to do new things, even if they're good for me. It doesn't want to do new things. It doesn't like change. It likes routines. And even if those routines are keeping you from reaching your goal, your brain doesn't care. It wants to keep you safe. And I've talked a lot about this, and we're going to dive a little deeper into it today. But I want you to understand, when you understand these two parts of your brain, it really helps you to make better decisions. Okay? Plus, throw in some patience. And use the times that you overeat, overdrink, or don't move your body as learning opportunities. And that is one mindset shift that I've really flipped in my mind is that we don't fail, okay? We learn, how can I do that differently? Did I get enough sleep? What prompted me to overeat? Why did I choose not to move my body? All right? And so that makes me feel better instead of saying, oh, you're such an idiot. Why did you do that again? Uh, you're such a, you know, a fool. Those don't help you. All right. So let's jump into very simply, what is, what are these two parts of the brain that I'm talking about? So there is, I'm going to start with our adult brain first. This is the prefrontal corset. So everybody tap the front of your head and simply by tapping the front of your head, you actually bring blood flow to that part of your brain. Okay. And so if you're ever stuck and you need to make some decisions, tap on the front of your brain, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. The prefrontal cortex is responsible for higher order cognitive functions, such as logical reasoning, rational thinking, planning, and here's the big word, everybody, impulse control. And it typically does not, this part of your brain does not start firing properly until you're about the age of 25. And this is why you can see and why I refer to the amygdala as the child brain. But okay, so the prefrontal cortex, when it comes to decision making, is engaged in decision making. It assesses different options, weighs potential outcomes, considers consequences, and chooses the most appropriate course of action based on logical analysis. Okay, so this prefrontal cortex, I'm going to refer to it as your adult brain. That is your adult brain. You're thinking, planning, 
controlling your impulses. Gosh, can I tell you how many times I've had to bring my adult brain online because now I understand that your amygdala, okay? So this is the back part of your brain. So touch just above your neck, okay? This is your uh, old brain, okay? This amygdala is involved in processing emotions, particularly fear and aggression and plays a crucial role in the brain's emotional responses. And when it comes to decision-making, okay, it may react impulsively and emotionally to a situation. So just notice how many times during the day that amygdala fires, especially if you have young children, especially if you're tired, especially if you're stressed, especially if you haven't been moving your body, especially if your diet is full of crap. Okay, that amygdala is firing. And so um, it, it reacts to emotions like fear, or sorry, it brings up in you fear and anger. Okay, and emotions like fear and anger or pleasure can influence decisions without much logical analysis or consideration of long-term consequences. Okay, so just a little brief review here. The prefrontal cortex is associated with more rational, thoughtful decision-making, considering facts and long-term consequences, while the amygdala, your child brain, is associated with more emotional and impulsive decision-making based on immediate emotional reactions, okay? Now, both parts of the brain are essential roles in your decision-making, but the balance between them can significantly impact the nature of the decisions made. So I love talking to my clients. I have spent many years talking about this with clients and they're like, oh my gosh, I am being run by my child brain. How do we bring that prefrontal cortex, that adult brain online? All right, how do we bring that brain online so that we can make more rational decisions and not be so impulsive during the day. So some of the ways we can activate our prefrontal cortex, stimulate this area of higher functioning, right? So that we can make better decisions is to do some mental challenges. And I'm going to talk about how this relates to food in a minute. I might sneeze. But I just wanted to go over some basics here. Some mental challenges. So engaging in problem solving, puzzles, crosswords, brain teasers, anything that will actively activate and stimulate the front of the brain. Mindfulness and meditation is huge. And it's been shown to improve prefrontal cortex function and increase attention. Okay, so bringing that online. Um, physical exercise, I'm telling you everybody, moving your body is not only beneficial for your body, but also your brain. It is huge. And when you're over the age of 35, really important to learn how to balance your menopausal exercise, which I totally revamped in my forties after not knowing, um, that I should be exercising differently in my late thirties and forties and really wrecked myself, um, like stress-wise, um, so really important that you, you learn how to move with your cycle, which I talk a lot about in my vibrant living membership, but this physical activity is linked to improve cognitive function, right. And activates that prefrontal cortex. 
anytime you're learning a new skill. So are you learning a new skill? Are you learning to knit, maybe exercise, make new food, art, whatever it is. So just take up some new hobbies, language, a musical instrument. This challenges your brain and requires sustained focus. Too many of us, and it's so sad to see, um, have just resorted to our phones and especially children. Um, so just remember that we need to be learning new skills. Sleep, 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 sleep is crucial for brain health, including that prefrontal cortex. And sleep helps to consolidate memories and support overall cognitive function. I recently, um, in 2022, took a sleep stress recovery and um, muscle recovery coach, stress management uh, coaching. Oh my gosh, I'm messing it up. Sleep, stress management, and recovery coaching certification because sleep is such an issue. So I'm always learning new things um, about how I can help you guys and myself live a more vibrant life. A healthy diet. Yes, you know what? It is a foundational pillar, everybody. We really have to get the shit, excuse my language, out of the diet. And we need to focus on a diet that's rich in antioxidants. Those are your fruits and vegetables, particularly focus on the colors of the rainbow with your vegetables. We've got to get those essential omega-3 fatty acids in there. Our body does not produce them, so they need to get into the diet. And both, just those two things alone can support your brain health and improve this prefrontal cortex function. Stress management. Again, huge. Too many of us are living with way too much stress, and this is negatively infect, affecting our prefrontal cortex. It's shutting us down and driving us into these amygdala responses. So are you adding into your day yoga, Pilates, breathing, spending time in nature, rolling, blocking, right? Are you spending time, which I did not do enough of in my 40s? Um, no, I was wearing that busy mama badge. I burnt myself out. So, um, but I learned, right? And that's what I said at the very beginning of this podcast is when you know better, you do better. And when you start to understand these things and you get a good, strong why, it helps you to move closer and closer and closer to where you want to go. So social interactions, right? When we engage in meaningful social interactions, we form connections. This has a positive influence on our prefrontal cortex and our overall brain health. Limit multitasking. Oh my gosh, this is where my ADHD kicks in. Wow, I am oh, working on trying to stay focused. But that prefrontal cortex is involved in managing tasks and attention. So the more we can focus on one task at a time, that really helps to improve its function. And then finally, point number 10 is some cognitive training. So some brain training programs are designed to target and stimulate specific regions of your brain, including that prefrontal cortex. So you would have to look that up just to see um, what kind of, I, I can't think of any at the moment. I have really basically just focused on the other nine, but perhaps that is something that you can look into. Okay, so what happens to our body when we're actually living in the amygdala? We've talked about how to, to fire up this prefrontal cortex, but what if, what's, what's happening to us if we live in this amygdala? And then I promise we're gonna get to how I apply this to my clients to help uh, with um, how we can, you know, eat better and all the rest of it. Okay, so what happens to us here? 
we can say someone is living from their amygdala. We generally mean that they're in a heightened state of emotional reactivity and impulsivity, right? And there is no rational decisions being made here. And what happens is, is it can lead to some various psychological and physiological uh, responses in the body, including, so I'm going to go over about um, seven points here, increased stress response. So you've heard me talk a lot about fight and flight versus, so that's your sympathetic nervous system versus your parasympathetic rest, digest, and heal system. When you are in this amygdala, okay, it plays a central role in your body's fight or flight to, and, and to how it um, perceives threats, right? So when you're living from the amygdala, the stress response can be easily triggered leading to the release of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, which have detrimental effects on overall health if chronically activated. Remember that when we activate cortisol over and over and over again, it's like our body is eating donuts over and over and it can um, cause us to hold on to fat. Uh, we can have heightened emotional reactions Right. And so, you know, I've seen this with myself where something just triggers me and I act impulsively and irrational behavior. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, what just happened there? Right. And so this can happen when we're living in that heightened emotional reaction in that amygdala. Point number three is we can have difficulty with emotional regulation. And, you know, this is one reason why I think I turned to sugar and eating because I didn't know higher levels of thinking to get me out of the problem. And a lot of problems start in our adolescence when we don't have that prefrontal cortex on board to help us. So as this amygdala takes control, it may become challenging to regulate emotions effectively, which can lead to mood swings and difficulty managing stress and anxiety. Totally been on there. I'm much better now because I can understand and I can feel it and, and all that kind of stuff. But it takes practice. It all takes practice. We can have impaired decision-making. So the amygdala's dominance can interfere with the prefrontal cortex rational decision-making, right? So we want a rational thought and problem-solving, but it takes a backseat to these emotional impulses leading us to making poor decisions. So this is really interesting. When I first started teaching this, I'd be like, oh, there's my prefrontal cortex or my adult brain. There's my child brain. Okay. How can I start to bring my adult brain more online? What are some things? And I'm going to talk about those in a minute. We've already talked about some, but we're going to talk about more. So when we have chronic activation of this amygdala, it can affect our memory and learning processes. And negative emotions can impact memory consolidation, making it difficult to remember details clearly. Our amygdala also impacts our physical health because prolonged stress and heightened emotional reactivity can cause hypertension, weakened immune function, digestive problems, and cardiovascular disease, okay? So being in that amygdala is not where we want to spend all of our time because we don't want those things. And then strained relationships. Oh, I'm going to have a little cough. <coughs> um, emotional reactivity and impulsivity can really strain a personal and professional relationship and lead to many conflicts and misunderstandings. So really important to recognize, are we emotionally regulating ourselves? Are we dealing with stress properly? And again, 
bringing things online like mindfulness, self-awareness, self-awareness. I always tell you, everybody, that you cannot change what you're not aware of, right? Emotional regulation techniques. All of these things are going to help us move forward. Now, here's what's interesting. When you go through menopause, um, we go through hormonal changes. And remember, menopause starts around the age of 35 to 40, okay? It, and you're, you're in that perimenopausal stage, which can last 10 to 15 years. So this is really what was happening to me in my late 30s and, and 40s. And I didn't, I didn't understand it. But now that I understand that, you know, menopause is very natural. We're all going to, all of us ladies are going to go through it. Our hormones are going to change. And in particular, our estrogen and progesterone are going to decline. And so this can get us caught stuck in this amygdala, right? And you can feel your hormones fluctuating during the day, during the night and impact our moods and emotions. I totally look back and go, oh my gosh, my, I, my, I, I was totally hijacked. But when I started to understand this in my mid forties, I was like, okay, what can I start to do? But let's just understand this for a moment. Estrogen plays a role in regulating neurotransmitters and receptors in the brain, including those involved in emotional processing, right? So when our um, estrogen levels fluctuate, which they do, or decline during menopause, which they do, it can lead to how we um, experience and manage our emotions. And this can come across as mood swings, irritability, anxiety, sadness, and even depression. And I remember saying to my husband, I'm so sad. I'm so sad. And yet my life is so good, right? And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I definitely had irritability and anxiety and mood swings, right? And I didn't understand any of this. So I really hope that you can share this with your gal pals who are you know, in their 30s and 40s to help prepare them for what's happening. And those of you that are listening, you can look back and be like, oh my gosh, that's what was happening. <laughs> so estrogen has been found to be neuroprotective effect on the brain, which means that as, um, and it's declined during menopause may contribute to cognitive changes in some women. And this can include difficulties in memory, attention and problem solving. Okay, so estrogen has been found to have a neuroprotective effect on the brain. So understand that during menopause, your estrogen is fluctuating and decreasing depending on where you are on the, the stage. And this is going to affect our memory, attention, and problem solving. There's, there's, so understand that this is what's happening on a hormonal level. Right. So I think it's really important to start talking about this. I've talked about this more with my husband. I'm like, hey, listen, my period's coming up. I mean, I've talked to him for years, but I'm going to be a little more emotional. I'm going, my progesterone's hopefully coming up, but I'm going through menopause. It's tanking down. So I'm a little more sensitive. Uh, I'm a little more irrational. So just, just roll with me here. Roll with me. All right. So regarding the amygdala, the hormonal changes during menopause might contribute to increased emotional reactivity in some women, right? So we're going to have a little bit of difficulty or a lot processing our emotions and we can become really super sensitive, 
during these times of hormonal fluctuations. So we're all going to be different, everybody. We all have our unique experiences, but I really wanted just to throw in how, um, you know, when we go through this transition in our life, how it, we're not doing this stuff on purpose. There's a reason, right? We are controlled by our hormones. Okay, so let's go down to um, how we can use our prefrontal cortex to eat healthier. Okay, what are some things that we can do to help make ourselves healthier? So one of the ones, and I talk about this really early on in my podcast, is understanding, It's I, I think it's like 5A, 6A, 4A, somewhere in there. And we talk about values and really planning out, which would be your prefrontal cortex, and your amygdala would take over to tell you you don't have the time. But if you can get into that prefrontal cortex, this is point number one, set clear goals, okay? Define specific and achievable goals because that's gonna give you a sense of direction and purpose. Something else you can do to help you eat healthier is plan your meals. So I'm gonna talk about this a little bit in a second, but if you plan your meals in advance, creating a weekly meal plan that has variety of nutritious foods, then we are better prepared for when we approach meal times. And I did my whole busy mama detox in my early 40s with my children. And we that one of the parts of that was really if you plan to fail, you fail. No, it's a second. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So that was one of the huge lines I used when I was about 42, 43, when I was teaching all of this, but in the context of having, you know, a nine and a 10 year old. <laughs> Okay, so something as simple as making shopping lists, right, helps us to avoid impulse purpose, uh, purchases of unhealthy items. So make a list and stick with it. Practice mindful eating, which is something I'm still really focusing on, which doing this will engage your prefrontal cortex. You'll pay attention to what you're eating. You'll savor the food. You will slow down, which will help your digestion right? You can become more aware of your hunger and fullness cues, which prevent overeating. This is one of the biggest free tips anybody can start applying to radically improve their health. Just by slowing down what we're eating, chewing our food, paying attention to hunger and fullness cues. Okay, so another way to help with our prefrontal cortex to eat healthier is to avoid distractions. So, watching TV, looking on your phone, right? Just focus on your meal and make conscious food choices with the food on your plate. Taste it. Uh, limit temptation, right? So when we some see something like unhealthy choices, we are more like triggered to eat them. We, we see a commercial triggered. So what are your triggers? Can you keep them out of sight? So I always say, as soon as it comes into my house, oh my gosh, all bets off. So leave it in the grocery store, right? And this will really reduce the chances of making impulsive choices based on cravings. And I know for myself, I can't remember the last time Oreo is about the only cookie that comes into this house and it's not very, very frequent, that if we want cookies, we make them. And then you go, oh, I don't feel like making them. And then you don't eat the cookie. So that really helps. <laughs> but then sometimes we do make the cookies and that's okay too. 
So use portion control by you train your prefrontal cortex to regulate portion size. So using smaller plates, because that will help to avoid overeating. Okay, now here's a big one. Recognize emotional eating. Oi, oi, oi. I had this for so many years. So many years I turned to food when I was stressed, when I was sad, when I was bored, when I was happy, when I was frustrated. So this is one thing we really talk about in my Vibrant Living membership. It's not willpower, deprivation, and restriction. It's skill power. How do we bring the skills on to recognize emotional eating and move through it as opposed to eating it, okay? Because I'll tell you something, that uh, eating does not fix emotional eating. It just layers on another level you have to deal with. Uh, staying hydrated, right? So the prefrontal cortex functions optimally when we're frequently hydrated. Most of us are not drinking enough water. So get that water up and fire up your brain's executive functions. Practice self-compassion, which is what I said at the very beginning. This criticism, this self-criticism is just pulls us down, really down. And then it puts us back in that amygdala. So focus on progress and celebrate your successes all the time. The simplest ones. Educate yourself, right? The more you know, the more, the better your decisions. And it might not be immediate, but over time, you're planting these seeds, so educate yourself about the foods that you're eating, how they affect your brain, your digestion, your energy, your moods, and seek support, all right? There's so much support out there. You're not to do this alone, right? And so if you want to join us in my Vibrant Living membership, my amazing community of women where we have group coaching calls, we really, uh, you know, have a lot of fun practicing all of these things that I'm talking about and integrating them. And I know just by seeing things that when you do get support and you join a community, you do get the results that you want quicker than doing it on your own. Okay, so how can we use this prefrontal cortex to help with our eating plan? So I've already gone over a few tips, but this is one thing that I taught. So I want you to see if it works for you because it really, really emphasizes uh, some things that we can work on. Like it really shows you where your emotional eating, stress eating, impulsive eating, and using that amygdala. All right. So remember, your prefrontal cortex is responsible for higher order thinking, impulse control, and decision making. So one of the things that I do from time to time in my membership is we look a day ahead and we plan our meals. And when you plan those meals 24 hours ahead, you're using your prefrontal cortex with your goals in mind. Okay, so you might set um, a specific meal time, knowing, you know, what your general when you get hungry is. We're doing a lot of fasting in my membership right now. So a lot of us know when we're breaking our fasts, we're learning how to balance our meals better, get more nutrition in those meals. So planning your meals is really important. So just look 24 hours ahead. All right. And then what happens is when that meal comes to be, you can go, oh goodness, I'm eating this meal. There's my adult brain. It's keeping me moving forward to my goals. Or your husband walks in with a pizza 
and you're like, oh my God, I want the pizza. There's that amygdala. Okay. You have your meal that you prepared and all of a sudden your amygdala is going, you eat pizza every time your husband. Remember, it's working on past behavior. You're still alive. You ate the pizza before. Okay. So this is when you realize, oh my gosh, there's my child brain kicking in. There's that impulsivity. But I wanted this 24 hours ago. I wanted this food because that was in line with my higher self. So this is when you start to go, ooh, this is really interesting. And then you get to make some decisions. But I'll tell you, doing that 24-hour plan really helps with emotional impulses and cravings. Okay, so we've touched on this before, but mindful eating, right? So when we have that 24-hour plan ahead of us and we choose to eat present, Okay, we're going to experience and indulge in our eating, right? We're going to, again, pay attention to those hunger and fullness cues. We're going to savor the taste and textures. We're going to chew that food so our stomach doesn't get undigested food, right? And then this mindful eating is also really going to help us be aware of emotional triggers that lead to overeating, and then we're also going to see that dopamine kicking in because that dopamine, remember, if you do make um, an, uh, you know, a more craving choice or something that you tend to overeat, that dopamine is going, have another, have another. Remember, it's always searching for more, searching for more, seek for more. So then you start to go, oh my God, there's my amygdala or sorry, there's my dopamine trying to get me to eat more. So I don't know. I have a lot of fun with this kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, as I mentioned before, this goal setting and self-control really fires up that um, uh, prefrontal cortex, right? And so when we make that meal 24 hours ahead of time, we are doing it with our higher purpose involved. We, we want our future goal is more present 24 hours ahead. All right. So we don't want that amygdala, which is, an, which is associated with that uh, with the emotions and the stress and the emotional eating. So this is what I said. You really start to go, oh my gosh, there's an emotional trigger. Okay, what can I start to do about that? Do I need to um, put more mindful practices? What coping mechanisms do I need to start to add into my pleasure bucket? I've talked to my, a lot about the pleasure bucket that don't involve food. And then this prefrontal cortex um, is really working to help you build those future healthy habits or those present day future habits. All right. So just by gradually increasing your healthier choices at each meal, planning out your meals in advance, being in a create or sorry, a supportive environment and focusing on your long term sustain long term, I should say, sustainable changes rather than a short term restrictive diet because honestly I've seen it too many times it's not going to help you I've done it myself I wanted the magic pill I wanted that magic pill I wanted it so badly it doesn't exist everybody but what does exist is that you understand this new skill that you've learned today prefrontal cortex versus your amygdala who's running the show how can you bring that prefrontal cortex online I would love to hear how you're doing with this. I love this kind of stuff because I just, it makes sense to me. I'm developing new skills. 
I learned to apply them. And so try it out. And if you want support, by all means, come and join us in my Vibrant Living membership where I teach you to eat better, move better, think better, so that your life over 35 is vibrant and energetic. And oh my gosh, just you're living your best life one step at a time, not all at once, one step at a time. And let's bring that brain on board. Please, ladies, share this with your gal pals. All right, this is life-changing information. And um, I just, with a, such a big heart, I just pray every day and hope, pray, wish that we elevate our health, our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health, and you're not alone. I am here. There's lots of other people that are here. Find who resonates with you. And if it's me, that would make me just feel so happy. So enjoy your day, everybody. And pay attention to which brain, which part of your brain is running the show. Hugs, hugs, hugs.